0: Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. such a blessing and a privilege to be joining with you this evening uh, for church in your lounge room or wherever you might be, driving along in your car. Probably shouldn't be doing that unless you're just listening on audio. Don't put YouTube on your dash. That's the best thing to do. Uh, Tonight, I would like to talk to us about being careful what we put in our pockets. I was reading on Friday a story about Bob Goff, who many of you would have heard of. He is this infamous um, Christian guy who is just unreal. Uh, but one of the things, one of the many, many noteworthy things he does, one of the ma- many noteworthy things he does is he teaches law in San Quentin prison. And he was there, and uh, and he, he teaching law, and he met a guy who um, had been in a gang. And another gang had shot his brother and so he had then killed the person who shot his brother, ended up in prison for most of his adult life. He'd never really experienced life outside apart from when he was a juvenile. And so he's there in prison, been there most of his adult life and eventually gets out. And the first person that he calls is Bob Goff and Bob takes the call. And he says, Bob, I'm out. I'm on the outside. This is the first time in my adult life that I've been outside prison walls. And Bob said, tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're feeling. Like, what's the sunshine like? What's going on in your heart? And he said, Bob, I've got pockets. And Bob was like, right, okay. But Bob Goff said he realized quickly that in prison you can't have pockets because of what you might be concealing. And all of a sudden, being on the outside, he was able to be entrusted with pockets. And he said to him, well... Be careful what you put in those pockets. And it's so true. We need to be careful what we put in our pockets. My son, Lockie, would come out to the kitchen and uh, he went through this run of every couple of mornings he'd say to me, Mum, guess who's in my pocket? And the first time I was like, Son, what do you mean who is in your pocket? Like, what you mean what is in your pocket? You, what do you mean who is in your pocket? He said, no, no, Mum, guess who's in my pocket? I'm like, the Holy Spirit? Like, that's what happens in a pastor's household. That's who you guess. And he's like, no, Mum, no. It's uh, it's R2-D2. And uh, he would sit R2-D2 on the bench. I'm like, of course R2-D2's in your pocket. What is R2-D2 doing in your pocket? And the f- simple fact is, is that Lockie just mindlessly goes around the house picking things up and putting them down in different places all over our house. And one of the things that he would put in his pocket would be a Lego minifig and it would be there for days without him even realising it. You know, as it relates to pockets, my arch-nemesis is this. This is my arch nemesis as it relates to pockets and anyone who ever does washing can relate in winter. This tiny little thing that ends up so squished gets over everything else. It was concealed in a pocket. It was just forgotten about and left and all of a sudden it's on everything and unless we're careful about what we walk around life in our pockets, that's what happens as well. That in fact, the things that we don't even pay any attention to that are just in our pockets, concealed and maybe mindsets or narratives or words or or thoughts, whatever they are, that actually they're just sitting in our pockets, but they get over everybody around us. It makes me wonder if that's why Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, Therefore be careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Let's pray before we head into the word tonight. Lord God, I pray that you would teach us tonight to live wisely. Lord, if we could just grasp some tools in how to live wisely, Lord, not only would our lives change, but the lives of those around us would change as well. And that's what we desire, Lord. We desire to be those that leave something good for the people around us. And we pray that you would help us to discover how to do that tonight. Let your word come alive in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So be careful what you put in your pockets, because you don't know what is going to get on other people around you. I was trying to think of what I would really love to put in my pockets, how I would love to carry my life. And and I was thinking one of the things I would love is if people who don't know God and are actually far from God, that they might not agree with the things that I say, and they may not agree with the way that I live my life. But if they hit a crisis, that they would say, well, I know that Bron would be able to be there for me. I would love that to be the case. I would love it as it relates to what I carry around and the way I am and the effect I have on other people. If my daughter or one of my daughters could come to me and and say, mum, I was talking to a friend at school and They've got some questions and and they don't agree with everything that I've told them, but I told them to talk to you because I felt like you'd have a good conversation with them. I thought I would really love that to be the case. And so if that's the case, I need to be careful what I carry around in my pockets because what I carry on my pockets can end up on other people. It makes me think of Noah in the Bible. You may have heard of Noah from previous exploits as the flood and the ark but in this instance Noah and, and just let me say if you're just curious tonight you're just kind of joining with us tonight and and you're like oh Noah man that's where i pulled up like that's what i i heard about the ark and I'm like impossible well, let me tell you, there's plenty of people that are, that call that an epic and call that a story that we're meant to draw principles from. And then there are those that are like, well, there's nothing. Like if God can create the whole creation, then he can do whatever miracle he wants to do. Um, so don't get hung up on that because there's even different thoughts around that. Don't get hung up on that. Always go for the point of the story rather than um, making a decision about the story. Well, as it relates to Noah, um, uh, flood, ark, rescue, everything else, Uh, He's cultivating the ground, and and the Bible says that he planted a vineyard. And it got to the point where the vineyard produced grapes. It got to the point where Noah produced wine. And it says that he drank some wine and he got drunk. And now he wasn't just slurring his words drunk. He was passed out naked drunk. And so here's Noah. The interesting thing is that the Bible doesn't have anything to say about him being passed out naked. It only talks about his son who goes into Noah, sees him passed out naked drunk, And, and, and then goes and exposes his father to his brothers who makes fun of his father and says, boys, boys, come in, you gotta see this, you gotta see this. Look at dad! And the other two brothers, the Bible calls them honourable because what they do is they actually cover over the offence of their father rather than expose it further. And they grab a blanket and they walk in backwards and cover him over so that they don't get exposed by him and, and that he doesn't feel exposed by them. And and actually what happens is that Ham, the other son, is given a consequence for his actions. Now, that's Ham did what he did. But let me tell you, Ham didn't do what he did without Noah doing what he did. And Noah might have said, well, my life, my responsibility, but Noah neglected to see the impact that he would have on the other people around him. And the little thing that he thought he did just ended up getting on his son as well. And so we can excuse the things in our life and say, well, it's my life, my decision, but we neglect to think about the impact that it has on those who are watching when we do something that we think is negligible. Well, there's another man in the the Bible called King David and and uh, King David, by this stage, he's he's done the David and Goliath thing. He's he's done the um, living in caves thing. He's done a whole lot. And, and back then, just let me give you some historical context so you don't freak out at this story, which you will anyway, but it's okay, is that at this point in time, at this point in history, women had very little value. They were something to be possessed and owned and agreed upon, and they had a dowry, and, and you made alliances with their fathers to have kingdoms come together. Now, that's just because it's in the Bible doesn't mean that it's condoned by God because God started out with men and women equal and then Jesus showed that men and women were equal. But somewhere in the middle of humanity getting stuff mixed up was that um, they had no worth or value or dignity assigned to them. And so David has numerous wives. That was okay. It wasn't okay for women to have numerous husbands, but it was okay for men to have numerous wives. And he also had concubines. We would call them mistresses. So he had many sons to the, the uh, and many daughters to the wives and the concubines. He had this one son called Amnon, and a brother and sister combo called Absalom and Tamar, and they were beautiful. They were like the stunning brother and sister. The Bible says that Tamar was beautiful. It says that Absalom was flawless from head to toe. It says that when they cut his hair, it like weighed a certain number of pounds. Sounds like a pretty boy to me, but who am I to argue? The Bible says he was flawless from head to toe. But he was there, and and, and he loved his sister. Of course he did. But the other brother, Amnon, the half-brother he also fell in love with Tamar and he desired her. And rather than, and it was actually loud for brothers and sisters to get married back then, I know. But he, rather than try to approach it through the normal channels or anything like that, he actually took her for himself without her consent. And it says that as much as he loved her before, Now that he'd taken what he wanted, he actually hated her even greater than what his love was for her. So just let that be a lesson to everyone who's being pressured into anything that, that what does, what follows doesn't mean more love necessarily. You need to make good and wise decisions there. But instead he hated her, the Bible says. And Tamar, like, tore her clothes. She was bereft and, and and it says that she went to live in her brother Absalom's house, a desolate and devastated woman. And the Bible says that Amnon was David's first son and he loved him as his firstborn and didn't do anything about the crime. Now, if you're Tamar, how does that make you feel? makes you feel worthless. If you're Absalom, the brother of Tamar, it makes you wild. And so he took Tamar into his house. He looked after her. He actually even named his daughter after her. But time went on and he killed Amnon. He killed his brother. And then time went on again, and he reconciled to his father, but he never quite reconciled it, and in fact, led an insurrection against his father and tried to steal the kingdom away from him. You see, David loved Amnon, and he loved Tamar, and he loved Absalom, but failure to do something here that he maybe thought, well, I don't really know what to do. It's an awkward situation. I I lose a child either way, resulted in him losing a whole lot of children. He neglected to do something and it just kind of got on everyone else. And in this case, got on a whole kingdom because a whole kingdom went to war against each other. He felt like he couldn't just leave it. But his omission caused something to happen as well. And so we've got to be careful, whether it's what we don't do or what we do do, what we put in our pockets. And so going to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, where it says, Be careful then how you live. Be careful what you put in your pockets. And live as those who are not unwise, but are wise. And I'd love to give us some tools tonight on how to live as those who are wise. We're going to take it all from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 to 21. And we'll skip around a bit within that passage. And hopefully, um, Bell on projector will be able to keep up with me. But I'm going to give you the four things up front, W-I-S-E, wise. And they are wake up, identify, spirit-filled, And each other wake up, identify spirit filled and each other wise. Ephesians chapter five verse fourteen says this It says wake up you sleeper and rise up you dead person and Christ will give you light. Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will give you light. So what I would love for us to do initially is firstly wake up to the fact that we need to be intentional and careful about what we put in our pockets. Identify that. Wake up to the fact that it's actually having an impact. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, there are things in our pockets that are getting on people around us because people are watching and it's having an impact. So let's wake up. Let's wake up. Now firstly, if you're just curious here today if you're just curiously kind of watching this or joining with us right now and you're just curious i'd love you to wake up to something that's talked about in romans chapter 1 verse 20 it talks about the fact that because of creation that none of us are left without an excuse it says that because of creation and the glory and majesty of creation that creation is showing. His invisible attributes to us, his power and his divinity. It's saying that through creation there is a deity that's on display. And I'd love it if you're just curious for that to be your action step out of today, that you would wake up to creation. In fact, if you're watching this at a later time, why not just press pause right now and just go to the window? And if it's nighttime, just look up at the sky and think about a God who creates all of that. All of that. Maybe. Maybe it's daytime and, and you can see a cloud and you can see a wintry tree and, and you know about all the cells and everything that goes into that tree to hold that thing together. And I want you to think about the fact and just be awakened to the fact that surely this massive creation that we're a part of, surely the right gravitational and rotational elements that we have to be to be a part of this planet, that surely there's a God and just wake up and begin to notice as you go about your day, the deity that is on display through creation maybe you're like, whoa, this all just happened, didn't it? I want to ask you, when was the last time you had a gas explosion and popped out a limb? Like, like it is incredible what our world is, and yet we can so easily put it down to a series of accidents and I'm betraying my own opinion here or my own total and wholehearted belief that there is a designer who has designed this whole thing and set it up and who has designed you and I. Look at our hands, look at everything and know that, that in fact there's something bigger than all of us. So I would love that you would wake up to that if you're just curious. And Daz and I were watching, we were babysitting our beautiful nieces, which our kids constantly remind us are our great nieces, which is irrelevant information, who cares about that. Um, But we were sitting with Delilah and watching this feature, this cartoon feature on TV, it was called Bao, as in B-A-O, Bao Buns, you know, Bao Buns are all the rage right now. There's a new Bao Bun place on Bridge Street, if anyone's interested. In Tamworth, and uh, this bow bun that the, the, the mum and the wife made these bow buns at the table, and and her husband quickly ate them and went off to work, and and as she's sitting looking at these bow buns on the table, it all of a sudden popped out and two arms and two legs. It's like oh, it's just like evolution does. Like the, the thought that this bow bun could just all of a sudden pop out some arms and some legs without without any kind of intelligent design or anything else going on was just like. Okay, <laughs> and so I hope that you can wake up to the fact that that all of creation is speaking of his divine attributes and his power at work in our world. So if you, if you could be awakened to that, that would be amazing. All of us awaken to what we're putting in our pockets, the curious awaken to creation and what it's speaking to us and the convinced awaken to the fact that everything needs to be brought into the light of Christ. It says, awake, sleeper, rise from the dead and let Christ shine on you. Which takes us to the next point, which is identify. Wake up and identify. Identify what's in your pockets. Now, if you're just curious, then your action point from this point for identify would simply be to look at it and put it in a helpful or a hindrance category. Whether it's just for you or whether it's for the people around you, is this helping or is this hindering the things that you're carrying around in your pockets? Even if it's just the things that you can see right now, or if you are to carry those out to their full trajectory of where they're headed, is it helpful or is it hindering? The things that you are allowing to be in your pockets, are they eventually going to help you and your family or are they going to hinder you and your family? And you could identify that today. But if you're convinced of who Jesus is, and to put it into the light of Christ, you need to bring it into the previous verses. And we'll go from verse three of chapter five. It says this: "Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people." So that's just really clear right there. And I, I think that most people would say, "Yeah, that that makes sense," and and even that you, that we would be held to a different standard. That, that this would be a standard. You see, people might be, people might condemn Christians for holding themselves to a different standard, but they also condemn them when they don't. Because they say, well, you're supposed to be a Christian. Why aren't you acting differently? But at the same time going, well, why do you hold yourself to a different standard than me? How can you judge me like that? It's a kind of, you know, a no-win situation. But we would all acknowledge that there should be a different way of life for someone who professes a certain belief. For instance, if a greenie put an aluminium can in a general waste bin, we would be horrified. And we would assume that the only paper they're ever using is for rolling doobies. But but that's what a greenie, uh, we would expect from a greenie. But from a Christian, we would expect that they're going to, in some way, line up with the Word of God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity or greed among you, and we'd go, yeah, okay, makes sense. Then it goes on, verse 4, and says, "...obscene stories, foolish talk." And coarse jokes, these are not for you. This is like, okay, well, we're here and we kind of all got that, maybe not get it right all the time. But then there's like another level of accountability here. And it's talking about what's coming out of our mouth. Obscene stories, foolish jokes, a foolish talk and coarse jokes are oh, not even those. So there's a different requirement. And, and, and here, Paul's saying to the Ephesians, just be careful what you put in your pockets. Like, don't put in all the stuff that is going to weigh you down and actually have you living at a lower standard of what God requires of you. It says, instead, let there be thankfulness to God. It says, you can be sure that no immoral, impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God, for a greedy person is an idolater worshipping the things of this world. Now it goes another level again and says, don't be fooled by those trying to excuse these sins. It's talking about obscene talk, foolish talk, coarse jokes. It says, you know, there's going to be people in your life, church, it's talking to the church. Because to hold people who aren't, Followers of God to the same standard is completely outside the purview of this scripture. This is talking to people who profess God as the one who they follow. And so to to hold other people to that account, that's just wrong. But it's saying, if you want to call yourself a person of God, then don't even be fooled by the people who would excuse these kind of behaviours. And you see, as Christians, so often, we want to get as close to the line as we can. But what this is saying is, No, no, don't be fooled by people who want to excuse it and who want to say, oh, yeah, that's all right, that's all right. No, it's saying don't be fooled. It says don't participate in the things that these people do. And why? It says because once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. Live as though you're in the light. For this light produces within you only what is good and right and true. Here's this word again, carefully carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully weigh it up. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. Again, it's not talking about people outside the church. It's talking about people inside the church. And it's saying not only don't have any part of that kind of close to the line living, but expose it. Now, are we all blameless in this? No, we're not. And in fact, as it relates to funny things, That's my biggest challenge. If I I think of something funny, I want to say it. And sometimes it takes me way too close to the line that I know God wants me to be. So to forego whatever it might be to fit in, to be funny or whatever it looks like in order to live as people of the light, it says... Verse 14, for the light makes everything visible. And before we get on a big bash ourselves train around this and feel really bad and guilty, you know, this is this kind of language is referencing Psalm 139 where it says that where am I to go from your presence, Lord? Even if I were to make my bed in the darkness, you would be there because your light shines even in the darkness and makes that darkness light to you. So this is not talking about when we fail or when we struggle or when we mess up. It's talking about an attitude of our heart where we're like, well, that's okay. Don't judge me, whatever. It's saying, no, no, back away from the line. Get away from that ledge. This is why it is said. Awake, O sleeper. Rise up from the dead and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. So here we have, wake up and identify. And they're too kind of identifying and and waking up to the things that might be in our pockets that shouldn't be there. Let me spend the last few moments telling you what should be there in order to leave the kind of legacy and put the kind of things on other people around us that we want to. The first is to be spirit-filled. Start at verse 15 again. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine. So there's our comment on Noah, because that will ruin your life. And if you're someone who is consistently drunk on wine, then you will attest to this, or you know someone who's continually drunk on wine. It says, Instead... Instead, and from here to the end of verse 21 is all one big, long sentence. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, that's a lot of singing, Bron. That's a lot of music and I'm tone deaf. Well, I want to give you three things in being spirit-filled to foster. And the first is an expression. It says, speak to each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And I've heard psalms described as praising God in the midst of the reality that we're in. Psalms never seeks to nullify the reality, but only to glorify God in the midst of the reality. And so expression is is expressing ourselves and our belief in God, our trust in God, even in the midst of our circumstances. Expression, being spirit-filled and letting it have an expression. Secondly, an emotion. An emotion. It says, um, sing from your heart. And, uh, and, and I think about the emotion of the Holy Spirit. I think about people who have told me that there's so much more emotional post-deciding to follow Jesus and just so you know, if you're wondering about being spirit-filled, anyone who has decided to follow Jesus at that point is filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes and dwells in us. There are um there are infillings and baptism, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that, that's a subsequent event. But everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit on deciding to follow Jesus. And people say, you know, I come to church and I just cry. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Or I never used to, you know, cry in movies. Or I never used to lie. The Holy Spirit does actually awaken our emotions. And so this is simply saying, get emotional. Be emotional before God. Be okay with being emotional. Don't be, from our British heritage, don't be so Australian, ochre Australian, where you just shove down every emotion, but allow your emotion to express your spirit-filledness in Him. And then finally, it says, always use your mouth for thanksgiving to God. Thanksgiving to God. So expressing appreciation. Expression, emotion, and appreciation. Having appreciation for who God is, giving Him thanks for all that He's done in our lives. Appreciation. You know, as it relates to emotion, it said that children um, laugh 300 times a day. 300 times a day. And that as adults, we laugh somewhere around 17 times a day. You might be like, well, I'm bringing that average way down. Or you're like, I'm bringing that average way up. But whatever it is, 300 versus 17, we've got a lot of work to do. And I think about a child. And just like the, the way that they live and the carefree way that they live. And, and because they're safe in the arms. If, you know, if they're a child who's laughing all the time, they're safe with their parents. They're safe. They have that element of safety about them. And if we can get to the place of feeling safe in Him, then our emotions are able to be expressed and outward in that way. It's like Daz said this morning, God won't, um, He didn't say this, but God won't validate Himself through our emotions. So we don't have to um, feel God. like We don't have to, like, oh, I'm not getting goosebumps. What's the go? They're getting goosebumps or they're crying. What's going on with me? He won't validate his presence through our emotions, but we are able to give him our emotions and express our love through, for him through our emotions. Expression, what did I say? Yes. Expression, emotion, appreciation. And finally, number four, wake up, identify. Identify what's in your pocket. Like I just said, lucky. He'll say, who have I got in my pocket, mum? And I'll be like, I don't know. You had an RTD too. Do you have Luke Skywalker? And he's like, no, I've got Albus Dumbledore. Like, ah, the next day, who have you, who's, who have I got in my pocket, mum? I don't know. Albus Dumbledore, maybe Hermione? It's like, no, mum. I've got Lord Garmadon. Like, I can never get this right. And Lord Garmadon is about to fall over because he's got too many arms, but that's okay. So wake up, identify what's in our pocket, live spirit filled. And then finally, number four, each other this whole passage finishes with submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And if we go back to verse one and two, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, it starts like this, Ephesians chapter five. It says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now think about... Covid, and um, what I've heard resoundingly is, oh, so great with no people." I've heard that a lot. If you're not one of those people, that's okay. But I've heard a lot, "How good is it not having people around?" But the fact is, God has designed us to be with people, and there are so many one anothers in the Bible that we can't fulfil unless we're living in community with others. And as we head back into services again, you might say, "Well, you know what? Like, this is why I haven't been to a." family Christmas for 20 years is because of the difficulty that I have with people that are close to me and who disappoint me. But God has actually designed us for community so that those things might be worked out of us. So that the goal is not easier. The goal is to become more like Christ. And so let's make sure that as we come back, that we make sure we live an intentional life with each other, that we won't carry around in our pockets a fence and all sorts of things that will get on other people, but they will keep our, our pockets filled with things that are spirit-filled, that are of the spirit, that are fruit of the spirit, that are able to submit to each other, that are able to live a life of love as Christ gave us as an example. Wake up, identify spirit-filled in each other. You know, spirit-filled, it gives three things, expression, emotion, and appreciation, just like it gave three things that come out of our mouth, obscene talk, foolish talk and coarse jokes. And it says, well, don't be taken up with these three things, be taken up with these three things. And rather than being someone who is sexually immoral or improper or greedy, that's someone who takes, takes, takes from people, be someone who submits to each other out of love and reverence for Christ. So he gives us the three things not to come out of our mouth and replaces it with the three things to come out of our our mouth, a way not to treat people and a way to treat people. And he says in this, this is how you will live a wise life. So there's the curious who we've mentioned tonight and referenced tonight. And then there's the convinced who would be the majority of people that are joining us tonight. But there might be another group of people tonight and that is the compelled. And at various points in time, someone will feel compelled just to receive Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 12, that as many as have believed in His name and has have received Him, to them He has been given the right to become the children of God. And so maybe tonight you have believed in Jesus and you are feeling that compulsion. You are feeling compelled. You were curious. You're not yet convinced, but you're compelled to receive Him tonight. Well, I want to pray for you. I wonder where you are. I wonder if you're on the laundry floor. You're just sitting there and you're like, yes I feel compelled to receive Jesus tonight maybe you've got your hands on the steering wheel and, and you just feel something in your heart and you're like yes I feel compelled to receive Jesus right now so I want to pray for you and, and I'm going to pray for you and I invite you to pray your own prayer after this as we head over to continue the conversation Lord I pray for those people that feel compelled to receive you right now Lord Lord would you fill them with your Holy Spirit Lord, by the confession of their faith in you, would you wipe their past away and give them a future and a hope as you've promised. And Lord, would you settle in their hearts that peace of relationship with you where they're not feeling that hole in their heart anymore, but it just all of a sudden feels right and good and whole and complete. We ask this in your strong name, Jesus. Amen.